Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Alrighty, well let's dive into the message this morning. Um, I was a 90s kid, born in 85. I grew up in the 90s, those were my childhood years. Anyone else um, have prominent memories of the 90s? Give me some things that you think are iconic of the 90s. What would you say? Sorry? Peppers. What is that? Oh, okay. All right. I don't know that one. Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys, yeah. Spice Girls. Spice Girls, yeah, yeah. Very iconic. For me, friends, yes. For me, I think um, an iconic thing was watching the cricket, oh, sorry, listening to the cricket on the radio while I was in the pool if I wasn't inside watching cricket. Um, that was how I spent many a summer through the 90s. Well, can I ask, does anyone know who this is? Very good. This is Alanis Morissette. She really kick-started her career in the 90s. And in particular, she was known for one particular song. Ironic. Many of you might know it. Now, this song features a whole lot of supposedly ironic situations, hence the name Ironic. Except that virtually none of the situations she sings about are actually ironic. The song features lyrics such as, It's like rain on your wedding day. That's just unfortunate. That's not ironic. <laughs> and the classic, it's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. That's not ironic. That's just plain silly, Alanis. <laughs> and what do you need 10,000 spoons for in the first place? Indeed, the only ironic thing about this song is that it's written by someone who seemingly doesn't understand what irony is. That's truly ironic. <laughs> Which leaves us with a conundrum. Did she plan the whole thing all along? Maybe she's actually a lyrical genius, and she actually you know, planned it to be that way. I guess we'll, we'll never really know. Maybe she just doesn't know what the word means. Um, not to be outdone. Not to be outdone, enter author William Paul Young. Better known for writing the fictional story, The Shack, he then turned his hand to theology and wrote a book entitled Lies We Believe About God. You can probably guess where this is going. In it, he outlines 28 lies that he believes are commonly accepted by most modern-day Christians. The trouble being, those 28 lies are essentially, or at least a number of them in the book, are essentially standard Christian doctrine. Indeed, they are the things that we believe. In replacement of them, he outlines his own ideas, occasionally based on creative interpretation of the scriptures, and in many cases without even referring to the Bible in a defense of his views. His highest authority seems to be himself. In fact, he goes so far as to suggest that in the order of creation, God somehow gives way to man. These are some of his ideas. And so it is true to say that if you were to read into his book and to accept his ideas, you would indeed be believing lies about God. <laughs> Thanks, Grant. But that got me thinking. Are there lies that we believe about God? Are there areas in our thinking where maybe we have started to believe in a half-truth about God? Have we been deceived into thinking things that are not quite right, things that don't match up with the Bible? And today we are going to unpack this topic, uh, but we're going to focus specifically on the topic of prayer, because that's where God led me this morning. Now, prayer is an area that God's been speaking to me about 
um, quite a lot over the last year, over the last couple of years, and it's an area that God wants all of us to be growing in day by day. And so today I want to look at five lies or false ideas that people may have when it comes to praying to God, and we're going to look at the truths that should replace those lies. Everyone ready? Let's dive in. Number one, prayer is just for super-Christians. Now, some people might think, isn't that mainly the job of the pastor or the worship leader or the people who get up on the stage or, no, that's, that's the thing that I leave to my life group leaders because I know they pray for the group. There can be different ways that these lies manifest or the way we think about them. So let's have a look what the Bible says. I should give you a heads up now that we're not going to go too deeply into any one passage this morning, but rather we're going to have a real look at the breadth of what the Bible has to say. So, we have this passage here. Let me run through it quickly. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask it. When I was thinking of this passage, I remember that Jesus was emphatic when he said, and when you pray, but I didn't remember him doing it three times in the same conversation. And when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Not if you pray when you pray. But does he say anything else, you might ask? Well, if we look at the start of this passage, we're going to come back to it later. But Luke opens here and says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Jesus expected the disciples to pray and pray regularly at that. Now you might say, but they were the super Christians that we're talking about. The disciples you know, saw Jesus, lived with Jesus, you know, saw the miracles, Jesus sent them out in power themselves, you know, aren't they the classic example, you know? One more passage to look at that. And this is after Jesus has died and rose again, and he's come back. And we read this in Matthew. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And here's the point. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So Jesus says to the disciples, Go out, share the news, make more disciples, teach them what I taught you. And so then the next generation of disciples receive this teaching go out, make more disciples, teach them everything Jesus has taught us, and then the next generation, and then the next generation. And you go down through history until you get to us. And so we can apply this concept to all of Jesus' teaching, that just as it was for the disciples, so it is for us. Friends, the truth is, prayer is for everyone. And that is the place that we really start this morning. All right, line number two. God's not going to listen. Maybe you've bought into lies that God doesn't want to listen to us, that he's too busy, that he's too big. Well, let me give you these scriptures. The Lord is close to all who call on him, 
Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Or in the New Testament we have from James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Both of these verses show that God responds to us when we call upon him. Note there is no qualification that comes with these verses insofar as it doesn't say, well, regarding first light, it doesn't say that you know, pastors draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It doesn't say worship leaders call upon the Lord. These verses aren't addressed to Bible study or life group leaders or anything like that. God responds to all who call upon his name, to all who draw close to him. What an honor. Can we, can we just take a moment to acknowledge that God, omnipotent, magnificent, creator God, who flung the stars into space and created everything that you know and see, that that God would see us and hear us and respond to us as we seek and acknowledge him. Just, just pause there for a minute. That's what we're talking about this morning. Friends, the truth is that prayer draws us closer to God. And it's something that God honors and God acknowledges as we step out, as we seek him, as we pray, as we turn to him, God responds. Friends, that, that's, that's a powerful promise right there. Okay. The next guy will take a bit longer. I know we're flying through this morning. Line number three. God's not going to answer me. Okay, you might say. I get that God hears me, but he's not going to answer me, is he? Or perhaps you felt, my prayer won't achieve anything. Why should I bother? Once again, let's turn to some scriptures. And, and when I came to this one, I just found so many scriptures that we could go through, but we'd be here till evening or longer. And as much as that would be fun, I'm sure you all have things to get to. Um, but I, I handpicked just a couple which I thought really spoke to this. And so we have this account in Matthew, and this is Jesus speaking. And he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus used some pretty strong wording here. He contrasts evil man with God. And what he means is that we as man are sinful. We're disobedient at times when we want to be, when it suits us. We make poor choices when it suits us. And yet we're still capable of doing good things for those around us, of giving good gifts to our children. Contrast this with God, who cannot abide sin, who is good all the time, always, by definition. How much more is Father God capable of giving good things to his children? And then we have another passage in Luke where Jesus... This is uh, the continuation of the passage we looked at earlier, where Jesus encouraged the disciples that they should always pray and never give up. Give up. And Jesus says, There was a certain judge in a certain city... He said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Wonderful judge. 
A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. Again, wonderful guy. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Friends, the truth is, when we're looking at what Jesus says about prayer, he says to pray with expectation and perseverance. That is the truth. Now, it's often been said that God answers prayer with one of three responses. Yes, no, or wait. And if you've been around church long enough, you will generally have heard of examples where God did come through and answer prayers, sometimes miraculously. You'll probably also have heard of times where he didn't seem to come through, and other examples where he did come through for a person who was praying, but only after some period of time. And that leaves us with attention when we read verses like this. Why does God do this? Well, there can be a whole range of answers to that question. Sometimes we don't get what we ask for because we ask with wrong motives, and the Bible speaks to that. Other times we don't get what we ask because we're, we don't realize we're not actually ready for what we're asking, and God needs us to wait for a time of growth before that thing is granted. And so this then becomes an area particularly where experience can warp our expectations or even change our theology, because we can go, well, God didn't answer their prayer, so why should I bother? And this is where it becomes really, really important that, A, we hold on to biblical truth that we know to be true, and B, we remember the testimony of what God has done in the past. Because if God's done it once, he can do it again. How many stories have you heard of God breaking through in the lives of your friends and family? How many times have you personally experienced God do something for you in the past? What about other testimonies that you've heard shared from the platform here? Or maybe you've read about in a book or read online from a trusted source? Friends, we need to hold on to the truth and remember the things that God has done in the past because he can do those things again. And it's only when we stand on that that we can protect ourselves from this lie which can really creep in um, in a way that's very sneaky and we can not realize perhaps that our beliefs are shifting a bit as we respond to experience and the things around us. But we have to stand on the truth. And Jesus says to pray with expectation and perseverance. All right. Lie number four. I don't know the right words. Now, this one can also play out in a few different ways. Sometimes people have a fear of praying the wrong thing or not knowing what the right thing to pray for is. Well, I'm going to show you a verse which I I learned of many, many years ago, and it has always stuck with me as something really powerful that speaks to this. And the passage is in Romans 8. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, sometimes. 
But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Friends, the truth is that the Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. Now, look at it this way. God has given us a gift. Not only has he invited us to pray, he's made a way for us to pray. He chooses to hear us. We can't force that upon God. God chooses to see us and hear us. But he's also provided a way to make it even easier for us. We don't need to have special words. We don't need a special method or a set of rules to pray by. We just need to have a heart that wants to reach out to God. And the Spirit who is living inside of us prays to God on our behalf. You might be more familiar with the NIV translation of this passage, um, where it says that the Spirit intercedes for us. We've been reading from the, a lot from the NLT version this morning, where it says God, that the Spirit prays for us or pleads to God for us. Friends, sometimes you might be feeling desperate or hopeless. You might be struggling with your emotions around a situation. You might be unable to find the words to describe that situation or how you feel about it before God. Friends, know that it's in those times that you can simply turn to God and know that the Holy Spirit is there to go to God on your behalf, that God sees and God understands where you're at and what you're going through. I originally titled this truth, God invites us to pray freely, because this passage is not about saying, well, the Holy Spirit prays for me, so I don't need to. It's definitely not that. But rather, this passage gives me the confidence to come to God in whatever state I am, whatever words I have or do not have, however few my words may be. Sometimes saying help or God, I need you, is all we have. And that's enough. That is enough for God. So I encourage you to really, yeah, receive this verse, treasure this verse and, and what this promise is to us. And for me, it takes all the pressure off prayer. I can just pray to God wherever I'm at, whatever state I'm in, and I know that God hears me and sees me and understands. And I think that's super powerful. Okay, the last lie we have this morning, lie number five, is not a lie learned from a twisting or a distortion of a biblical truth, but rather it is a lie that we might tell ourselves. And that lie is, I'm too busy to pray. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I should pray more, but I don't really have the time. I wonder if you can relate to that feeling this morning. I want to pray more, but I'm just so busy. I've got so much stuff on. Where would I fit it in? Well, when I think about this line, I can't help but think that we need something that recalibrates our thinking from time to time. So let me start here. We've already acknowledged this morning that God is a God of creation that he is vast, that he is magnificent, that he is majestic, that he is all-powerful. And yet this all-powerful spiritual being that we call Father God allows us to approach him in this way. Is that not just bonkers? 
Is that not just completely crazy? Let me take you back to this passage. We looked at verse 18 before, but I just wanted to read through um, a bit more of it leading up to it. In the Psalms we read, For your kingdom, God, is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all who look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. How often do we just spend time reflecting on the fact that God is filled with kindness? That the Lord is righteous in everything he does? Now, how do you respond to these promises? How do you respond to these truths, these things about God's character? Does that sound like a God worth pursuing? Does that sound like a God worth talking to? Friends, the truth is, we're never too busy to pray. It's simply a question of priorities and managing our time. Especially as the beauty of prayer is that you can do it while you're doing other things. You know, you can, you can fit it in your day while you're driving somewhere, while you're doing the washing up, when you're in the bathroom, when you're putting clothes on the line. Whatever it is, like, just wherever you are, you can just shoot up a prayer. It can be small. You can spend more time too. We don't, we don't want to put rules around this stuff. Prayer is just meant to be this natural thing. But we're never too busy to pray, if we're honest. So, of course, that leads to the, the, the next question is, how are you going with it, if you're honest? In your day-to-day, week-to-week life, what does prayer look like for you? What is your attitude towards prayer at the moment? What does your commitment to prayer look like at the moment? Maybe you haven't thought about it as a commitment. I encourage you to take a minute right now and pray to God in response to what you have heard this morning. If you need to accept one of these truths, pray around that. If you want to make a new commitment to regular prayer, ask God for help with that. If you want to pray in response to all the scriptures that we've looked at this morning, because that's where your heart's at, do that. I encourage you right now, take a moment. We're going to leave a minute to just pray right now between you and God. I encourage you all to make personal prayer time a high priority in your day and in your week. May I also remind you that LifeGate has a few specific opportunities for prayer. We have two weekly prayer meetings. The first being via Zoom at 7.30pm every Tuesday night, except when the Vision Night's on, like this Tuesday, and we pray at that too, and the Vision Nights start from 7pm. We also have another weekly prayer meeting with Tyson and Ben from our Preston's campus that they've just started at 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday, if you're super keen. Um, I can get you more details of that. Um, We also have a 24-7 prayer calendar. The vision behind this is to have someone praying for LifeGate and the community at every hour of every day. It's on the website, so you can look this up. 
and you can select a one-hour slot to indicate that every week you're praying at that time for LifeGate and its people and anything else that God leads you in. Now, I've been doing this for a couple of months, and it's been really, really encouraging. It was a little bit intimidating at first to commit the whole hour, I'll, I'll, I'll agree, but um, honestly, once you get started, I found it surprisingly easy to fill the time. Um, I booked in a time where I know I'm pretty much always traveling to work, and the trip's around an hour, so I've got this time, it's there, and I committed to it, and honestly, it was so much easier to fill the time than I thought, especially when you start thinking about the world and the state the world is in. There's a lot to pray for, church, um, plus, you know, friends, family, and um, hey, pray for our leaders, that's important. So many things, and honestly, the time just went like that. So can I encourage you to think about that? Even if you can only commit half an hour, that's still awesome. You know, God honors whatever we, whatever we can give. Um, but, you know, it's also good to challenge ourselves sometimes, and this was a fantastic thing for me, uh, which I'm going to continue to do. So, hey, I encourage you to think about that. All right, let's finish up this morning. I, um, as I was writing this message... God dropped an illustration on my heart, and I thought it was really, really cool. Um, and it's around childlike behavior. You know, Jesus talks in, in the Gospel of Mark about receiving the kingdom as like a child, and, and the way Jesus talks about children, um, it's really interesting that, that God kind of wants us, that, this childlike aspect to our faith. And there is an earnestness to the way babies and toddlers learn to speak. This is something I can attest to firsthand as a father of a 15-month-old. Sometimes they use many words while they're still learning, sometimes very few. Sometimes they are loud and animated. Sometimes they are soft and thoughtful. This is is my (laughs) 15-month-old, Millie. And when Millie talks to me, she covers a full range of emotion. Sometimes she is overflowing with joy, bubbling with excitement. Other times she will puzzle over something with this quizzical expression on her face as she's trying to understand this new thing that she's discovered. Sometimes her talk has an urgency to it, like when she's hit her head on the corner of the lounge for the fifth time this morning, and she comes running to me for comfort. Other times she will speak with a steady persistence, like when her water bottle is just out of reach. And she just keeps calling and pointing and calling until she gets my attention. Sometimes she will just focus on one singular word. She hasn't learnt to be self-critical yet. She's not conscious of other people's expectations. She's not conscious of other people's judgments. There's no standard by which she talks. She's not bothered to have the right words. She just speaks whatever is on her heart. And not only that, but at whatever time it suits her. (laughs) And God said to me, pray like that. Prayer should just be this overflow of the heart. Yes, there is a time for structure. That's good. That can be really helpful but it should still come from this place of freedom, of just overflow. And God said, pray like that. May I leave you with that that thought this morning, church. God, we want to acknowledge you for who you are this morning. 
God, you are magnificent, and we constantly marvel at your greatness. And that in the midst of the vastness of the universe and life and everything that is in it, you still see us. You still hear us. You still cherish us. You still love us, God. And I pray that in response to that, we would be inspired more and more to seek you and pray and spend time with you, God. Put a fire in us to, to want to talk to you more, to want to spend more time with you, God. And I pray that as we do that and we reflect on the message from this morning, we'll make sure that we don't buy into these lies, that we don't let them creep in, God, but rather we would cherish these truths for what they are, God, and we would hold to all the truth that you give us closely. Amen. Amen, church. Well, for those who've been following online this morning, thanks for, for tuning in. It's always great to be able to speak to you as well. Um, if you feel like you need prayer for anything at all, you can click on the prayer tab um, and someone will be there to pray for you. So we're going to sign off now. Have a great week. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.